Professor, without knowing precisely what the danger is, would you say it's time for our viewers to crack each other's heads open and feast on the goo inside? Yes, I would, Kent. It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world as we know it. And I feel fine. Six o'clock, TV hour, don't get caught in four towers, slice and burn, return. Listen to yourself, churn. Locking in, uniform and book, burning blood, letting every motive escalate. Automotive center the East End episode 121 and we are back prof back we are back back on Thursday as well yeah it's um don't it's think it really matters though what day these shows come out anymore it's like Christmas isn't it well yeah. not, not the, the fun and the cheer and the chocolates and the sweets yeah. well there's chocolates and the sweets but it's just it's not Christmas for you and I we're still going to work every day yeah but. it's a strange one like I said we, we spoke before the show and we said we're not going to get too entangled in the current situation in the world but surreal and strange times to be living in mm-hmm. um ocean electrical is still sponsoring us diablo is still sponsoring us but there's just nothing really happening um mm. i actually have a bottle of our energy drink as well for you in the car I forgot to bring it in for you Enerzade as well they're another sponsor that's coming on board the official energy drink of the podcast joey o'brien will love all this oh he's gonna be cringing and giving his me fierce abuse cringing in his range rover says we've sold our souls the the energy drink though it's it's do you remember LucasAid when it was nice? There was LucasAid orange and it was lovely and then they changed the fucking recipe and they ruined it. Well, these guys are making the drinks the way they used to be. So, uh, a big shout out to Enerzade. It's actually lovely gear and I drank a load of it with vodka about two weeks ago <laughs> and I had big orange lips. It has sunset yellow and everything in it and my lips were just huge orange things hanging off my face. So, there's your plug now. It was stained. My face was stained for Have orange lips. Two days, yeah. So 22 days since our last show, girl. 22 days, yeah. It's Would it be fair to say that some things have happened since then? <sighs> Man, like I said, surreal and strange times that we're living in. And, I mean, but this is this is the break away from all that madness. And we, we're just going to talk about football and how much we miss it. And uh, The news is just wall-to-wall coronavirus. It's just in your face, blatant, shove it down your throat. So it's It, it actually gets to the point where it was something on the news a few days ago. It was like, what was it? A truck crashed into the Lewis. And I just sat there thinking, yeah, but how many new cases? Yeah, that's it. and that was huge news. I'm just conditioned now to be like, why should I care about this? Yeah. Like, at one stage, like, I was thinking to myself, like, are, are, is crime even a thing anymore? I know, yeah. Like, do they even look out for this anymore? Like, are we just all so focusing on social distancing and washing our hands? Like, are the banks... Even putting their shutters down, and like it's it's unprecedented, Gar. Yeah, unprecedented. How unprecedented is it, Gar? Buzzword. It's very, um, very unprecedented. The winningest. <laughs> it's another another buzzword. I was saying that's a, that's a new drinking game for us to do. Just if you banjo, banjo before Monaghan. <laughs> just have a shot every time you read a statement or a news item that has the word unprecedented. You will get through this crisis, no bother. Banjoed. Banjo before Monaghan but um, yeah so we're going to kick out the show player of the year series today now one thing we spoke about before was the Rovers Wikipedia page actually is really detailed it's really good I'm not sure who updates that actually that's interesting that's a, that's a good one if you know who that is let us know because it's it's not biased it's detailed it's brilliant and it gives every player of the year 
up until about 2011 maybe no it's complete is it complete yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't know that so it's like every single player of the year ever since 1978 so that's something that I've never seen on any other football team's mm-hmm. Wikipedia page before so it's Robbie Gaffney of course the Gaff Rover Stalwart the Wack Express he's a season ticket on that as well and he's our first ever winner in 1980 I thought it was 78 and uh, Darren McGuire who scooped the award in 2008 and Darren McGuire the long beautiful locks of <laughs> gelled hair whatever he puts in it Glenmore Celtic legend yeah Glenmore Celtic legend it's Stones throw from where we are right now you've just given me an idea actually about uh, the Wikipedia page uh, the list of the full list of young player of the year winners w- would not be well known by I say most Rovers fans but uh, I do know the list oh. so I think I'm just going to edit that page now and put it in I think you should so yeah. when does it go back to 1980 as well um, I wouldn't say think, it goes back think, on No I think maybe late 80s But either way It's impressive Yeah Yeah Nolan's We had our bus to Derry Now we thought We thought Derry would go ahead Finn Harps didn't even go ahead But the bus to Derry Nolan's thought was still going So I had to <laughs> Get in touch and say Lads listen Bit of a crisis going on We won't be going to Derry Um. Yeah so We're all we're Obviously we're all upset That the season's been put to a halt But there's larger Larger things at play To be honest we Paddy Mulligan celebrated his 20, 75th, 25th, uh, 75th birthday on Paddy's Day and still our oldest ever guest in Johnny Blues. No offence to Paddy for that one. I think, uh, like you said before, I think he's still talking. <laughs> Until we get Josie on, he'll be the oldest then. Yeah. Jack Borum, player of the month for February as well. So good news there. Uh, well deserved. Excellent interview with Jack on second captains recorded just before the shit hit the fan. So uh, Jack... Has been he's been busy in the media as well. I'll talk about that in a while as well. He's he's been uploading all his skill videos for all the kids out there. Yeah, that was a brilliant interview. And the most interesting part was he had never discussed exactly what happened at Oldham until he told Sadler in that interview. Like think about how many opportunities he have he's had to set the record straight on that issue. And it's only now he's actually said it and Aldham accused him of trying to injure a player on purpose in yeah, training. Yeah, now I heard that, that he went in really hard on somebody in training. And I can't see him being that type of guy, to be honest. No matter what situation he's in or anything like that. But uh, you, you, were, you were saying Aldham tried to accuse him of injuring a player. In training, yeah. And then there was, he said he was at uh, some sort of carnival with uh, his family. So he put up two clown emojis. So then Oldham suspended him for two weeks because they said that was referring to the club. Having two clown emojis. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think... Uh, I think... Not Dorothy his bib, but I think... Uh, They're trying to force him out. His bed was made, was there, yeah. yeah. As he, he said himself. Him. Were they just relegated, I think he said? Yeah, I think McElhaney went to them as well, didn't he? And uh, they obviously highlighted some players. Right, let's get so-and-so off the wage bill. Forcing them out, yeah. There you go, yeah. get them off the wage bill. It's a it's a murky underworld, isn't it? But it the is. football biz. It's easy to just look at, you know, Jack Burn is meant to be the next big thing. It's easy to just look at his his page and say, oh, he bounced around from Oldham to Gilmarnock and just say, oh, well, he failed, he flopped there. Well, you know, there can be underlining issues that you don't know about. There certainly was. There was different circumstances there. So, I mean, that's that's the truth, realistically. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, he's probably one of the most honest footballers I've ever heard in any interview. And at any level, and that's it's really refreshing at times. 
It'll be Jack and Borky who were involved in a Graham Barrett-led project that contributed 25k, 25 G's, baby, to League of Ireland players to help them through the League of Ireland postponement. And then the Stevens and Gavin Bazuno also chipped in as well. So that was a lovely gesture to mm-hmm. keep keep things ticking over. Like you said, it's uh, it's it's insane. Like the the sun shines for the last two weeks. It's lovely out. <laughs> Our first five games, it pisses rain and all, and we win five out of five. Oh. I don't know what's it's it's crazy, isn't it? And to be honest, I can't see this resuming anytime soon. You don't think it'll even be June? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I really don't. I could, I could, no chance. It's in my opinion, anyway. I think we'll get we'll get a clearer picture in a couple of weeks. Yeah, they keep telling us that it'll peak, but you know. Can you imagine social distance in the south stand? Who's going to enforce that? Forgy. <laughs> Forgy. <laughs> Will you stop standing together? <laughs> Don't think so. Yeah. Uh, Finn Harris program as well, Prof. This was a cracker. This is a, this this kept me ticking over for a day or two. Anyway, uh, program was sold online and had already been printed. So great way to support the club. Robert Goggins, Robert Goggins had the task of posting out hundreds of them. So uh, got mm. got the job done in the end. That's a real collector's item, isn't it? Like a program for a game that didn't take that place. Never happened. Yeah. I love quirky stuff like that. Like there was a program done for a cup, cup winners cup final replay. At Highbury, I think it was in the seventies, like just in case there was a replay, a full program was made. <laughs> Never happened. Yeah. So <laughs> you'd love to collect stuff ghost like that. games. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so big shout out to Rob the Gog for uh, posting all those and do. And the FAI, we have they've set a target date of June nineteenth for football in Ireland to resume. One round of games will be done away with, so it's a twenty-seven game season. The League Cup is cancelled as well. Ah, oh, prof, the League Cup, you know, we've uh, won it twice. You know, we want to get a hat trick. Didn't fancy it anyway. <laughs> Fucking League Cup. What yeah, the, what do you think of this whole situation now with the twenty-seven game season and a round? Which round is done away with? Is it well? If you look at the, are they gonna keep the fixture dress as it is? Because there's no actual fixture on the 19th. That was right in the middle of what was supposed to be the summer break. Right. So then it was going to be in the dock at home on the 26th of June. So does that, does that mean we've skipped Series 2? I'm not sure. Either way, there's going to be clubs unhappy. And they'll, mm. use it as a, they'll use it as a stick to beat the FAI with or have some sort of complaint. You know what I mean? It's not the worst. I mean, like we'd have we'd have Dundalk at home twice. We'd have Bows away. Twice, maybe. But didn't that happen previously and then the next yeah. season it reversed? Yeah. So we'd have twice balls at home and then we'd have them twice away. That's the way it was, wasn't it? Well, as a long-term thing, I, I hated that. I hate it as well. But in the circumstances, I don't think anyone's going to complain about a 27-game no, season. No, I think season. people just want to see the football back. Yeah. But, like I said, I de- I'm highly doubtful of June 19th. That's, that's just being honest. It's not trying to shit on or rain on people's parades. It's just, it's just re- a realistic view. Europe, prof. This is a. Uh, there's two sides to this coin, right? We won't get to play in Europe if, if it continues on the way. If the world continues on the way it is, balls won't get to play in it either. <laughs> How long have they been waiting? Oh, years. Oh, there's a light at every. Uh, there's a light at the end of every. Couldn't make it up, could you? Nah. But uh, there's there's a few different things moved, isn't there? One, one is that. They'll skip the qualifying rounds and they'll just give us the prize money, and or or just let the seeded teams go through to that, the playoff round right. <laughs> or something. But I also heard only one 
leg being played, so would you rather home or what, away? What, neutral? So what, a neutral venue or what? I don't know, let's just see the teams are at home. See, that, well, that they would lean towards that, wouldn't they, to stop all confusion and, and yeah. arguments, they'd get to see the teams at home. would be way yeah. too much effort organising neutral venues. Would so, you just yeah. say, fuck it and let's play away? Yeah. <laughs> just so we can go on a just trip. Just have our trip, yeah. Because my piggy bank is bustling. It's bursting at the seams. I'm, I'm tempted at the minute. I don't know. I don't know what to do. But uh, yeah. So as as we said earlier on, we're going to continue on with our player of the year series. So uh, our very very first player of the year, and it's the gaff, Robbie Gaffney. Okay, we're joined now by Robbie Gaffney in the first part of our Rovers Player of the Year series. Robbie was the inaugural winner of the award back in 1980. He showed me the photograph earlier. So uh, let's start there. Take us back to the 1979-80 season under John Giles because this was the very beginning of that lethal Alan Campbell, Liam Buckley partnership up front and it was your fourth full season at the club. So what do you remember from that year? Well, the, 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 the great thing about that season was the fact that Giles now had settled and included in that team were full internationals um, because Giles was also involved with the uh, management of the Irish uh, squad. So this was, you know, Rovers was the place to be. And the fact that uh, I was the local boy from up the road in Mulvey Park, uh, this was dream come true stuff now that Giles had himself, obviously, as the international team manager, Eamon Dunphy, Ray Tracy, Johnny Fulham was uh, was still getting... Um, I think he might have come to the end of his international but then you had the emergence of Alan O'Neill and Noel Sinnott Pierce O'Leary they all got capped um, in relation to the that 79-80 season it was a great season to, to, to be involved in it because we also joined uh, with Stevie Linux who'd come over from West Brom uh, was playing at the top of his game was probably in my opinion the actual the best player in the league the most exciting player in the league at that time any Rovers fans that would have seen Lionix in operation would have said this fella he just bring, he, he was bringing something different to the team and I was delighted to be part of that uh, um, that, 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 that season whilst we'd won the cup in 78 77-78 uh, this we, we really fancy we could do something with, uh, with the team in 79 80 and I was just delighted to be a part of it um, and particularly uh, the, the, the fact that Giles now at this stage had great plans the ground was in the, the pitch that is was in fantastic condition it was a real joy to play in it so that that particular it's it's like prof, I look back and, it, and it was, the sun seemed to be always shining in those two years it was something even putting the Rovers gear on it, it was uh, it was just it was a great two years without necessarily doing anything uh, in terms of trophy-wise, but it was a great two seasons to play with Rovers. You mentioned some of the great players around you there, but the fact that you won that award, uh, did you have a particularly good season you felt personally, and were you starting to hit your stride in midfield? Funny enough, I, for the first time ever uh, in '79, uh, I got an under-21 cap against uh, Poland, and then... Um, uh, I just thought this 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 capped off what I thought was a really really good uh, a really good season. I thought I was playing well when I was getting the opportunity. I was, I was doing well, and Joyce was included me in uh, you know 
uh, first team choice, you know, normally you have to wait and so on because the competition for places at the time were in that, believe it or not, was terrific. And there were international players uh, uh, playing with me. So um, I remember at the uh, at the end of the season, whatever I think, you know, I look back on that one and say, yeah, I think I'm going to get a slot for next year. I think I'll be kept. <laughs> it was that type of thing because I didn't want. I just wanted to continue to play for hours, and I, and I wanted to remain even within the squad. But uh, I just thought, no, I've had a good season, and sure enough, I was awarded them with a contract as well. So I thought, yeah, I thought, yeah, I'm doing okay here. Just keep the head down, keep training, and keep learning from the others around me. You know, and that's what it was. It was the Shamrock Rovers Supporters Club who ran the, the awards ceremonies. What do you remember from the event itself? And do you remember who got gargled on the night? Oh, do you know what? It, it's funny, uh, when we look back on that, see, first and foremost, my family, my two brothers in particular, uh, Troy and Packy, they socialised in the Hoops Club. They lived in it. The fact that their, their brother was now playing for Rovers was a huge bonus. But they were down there chasing women and the, the fact... I think uh, so. I met his lovely wife Mary in the in the Hoops Bar. So it was very much like the, the Gaffneys sort of socialised there. But it was persona. I was like it, it, one thing about John was, and uh, which was we trained, we looked after ourselves, and there was no involvement with the Hoops Bar. I just you never went near it. All I just heard was stories about it, but. Um, even even to assemble that night at the table with Joyles and the team, you were nearly watching your P's and Q's and so on because I think we were all on uh, orange juice. Or, uh, 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 I think Joyles was, was the only one sort of allowed. He was the father figure. No, nobody else was... It, it was it was rare for him to be involved in social occasions with, with, the, uh, with the club. So it was brilliant that the supporters... And I'll never forget it, uh, Prop, arriving in that night... I was going out with my now, uh, with Gwen, who is now my wife, but I remember we were going out as boyfriend, girlfriend, um, say that was our first night to be a wag, and uh, uh, when we arrived into the uh, into venue, it was packed. Uh, it was packed, I mean packed. The music was going, the lads had organised it brilliantly, uh, the Brendan Cairns and the Mick Cairns, the Jimmy, Jimmy that ran the, um, the uh, Jimmy Cairns, that ran the thing. I think even Mick McCarthy had uh, black hair at that time. The senator, uh, and it was a brilliant, brilliant occasion. It was just great to be part of it. And I remember getting the table and then the build up to it and so on. But that that was, you know, that that whole occasion was brilliant to be part of it. It was the first time I'd seen the Hoops Bar in its, you know, its full capacity. Then you could understand why people were making a regular haunt, and that they were, that was their weekend. You know, after the matches. Just looking at the picture you sent me, it's a fair sized trophy. Do you still have it at home? I do, yeah, I do indeed, and uh, I, I do indeed. Um, it was in my mum's uh, for years, and I had to get it. Uh, uh, my mum died in uh, two thousand six, and I, I had to get the. She always wanted it in the house, but uh, like for example, during the evening. When they were doing the the uh, the presentations, it was the furthest thing from my mind that I would be the the first player of the year. Like the furthest thing, because look at the top of the table. 
look at the, the you know three that were three that always st- uh, sticks with me were the three individuals at the top, right at the top: uh, Johnny Giles, Eamon Dunphy, Ray Tracy. Then followed by Pierce O'Leary, and uh, 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 we had an emerging player at the time, Richie Bailey, uh, who was you know was huge things expected of Richie at the time. And I thought. They, they, like the world was talking about sorry, when I say the world was talking about they, they, uh, the English game were all over them they were having scouts regularly <laughs> then you had Stevie Linux, you had Alan O'Neill you had Noah Sinnott uh, Alan Campbell Liam Buckley Mark Negan all of them they, they, they'd all in, in various uh, areas called either capital they looked at or there was transfers there was no way I was even considering and then my name was announced and I couldn't believe it. I genuinely thought, uh, in today's terms, I just won the lotto here. I can't believe that I'm actually getting the the, the Player of the Year award. I remember uh, my brother Packy, who at this stage had a fair few on him, tried to lift me up. Do you know this shoulder high mad moment? <laughs> uh, I said, no, I'm not having that, Packy. Leave it out. Followed by a group of lads from Mulvey Park and Rosemont of the State or whatever. And to get to the to the stand uh, to receive the trophy, and then I would just remember it. I looked around, the, the goodwill that was out there was just unbelievable, and the uh, the, um, the excitement the, it, it was unbelievable. I um, oh, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. It's up there with the best moments I've had in uh, football. The best, by uh, to be a local lad winning it. The first one in the company that I was in. That's the bit. I mean, when you have Johnny Joe shaking your hand, congratulating your name, Tracy, you thought, you've done all right here, buddy. And that's, you know, Rob will stay with me. And Rob uh, of course, have started so well this season, five wins out of five. Uh, you know, football in the grand scheme of things isn't that important, but hopefully the league can continue in the summer if things start to get back to normal. Oh, yeah, I've been, obviously, at all the game, I mean, Sligo, I just thought that our performance against Sligo, considering the way we started and finished, I just thought there's something, there's something about this, and I think the boys on the Wacky Express were saying, I have this thing, we're going to win the league, and there's nothing, nothing has changed my mind, even the Dundalk game, whatever sums up, there's something about it, and yeah, there's been an interruption, I hope to get, I, I hope we get back into the fluency. Uh, I mean, the, the goodwill from the the cup final it's gone now. But I think we've stepped up another gear now. At the moment, there's, a, there's an air of confidence with every player now that gets picked for the team and and plays. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, even when uh, in the Sligo game, when we uh, uh, the the performance on the night for me, even where people would have taken a draw at one point, they said, no, 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 there's something in this team. And sure enough, bang, bang, two goals, game over. And a great feeling I have about it. I hope now, uh, I mean, as you say, subject that the, the world has stopped now with the Spurs, whatever. But when we do get back, I hope we're able to carry on the same momentum because there's, there's a real feel-good factor about this team at the moment. You've seen a lot of football, both playing in and watching. Was that Dundalk game one of the best games you've ever seen live? I mean, the people that were with me on the night, some who had never been there. I mean, I had a friend of mine who rang me the following day and said, Robbie, he said, that's the best game of football 
that's the best game of football I've seen this year. Now, when he said that, he was talking about the European games, the, the, the Scottish games, the English games, the Premiership. But he thought it was the best game of football. Two teams going at it. You know, a, a brilliant win, brilliant goals, brilliant individual performances, individual battles taking place right throughout the park, and it it, it was up there. It's up there with the best League of Ireland game now I've seen uh, in a long, long time. And you look back on the great, but that's definitely up there. And those that watch it apparently on TV, the the bar still <laughs> apparently you know they even acknowledged it. And so it must have been good, Rob, if they've acknowledged it. Another Gaffney made his debut on that one. Rory Gaffney made an instant impact. So, do you think he could be the last piece of the puzzle, that striker? Without a doubt. I mean, I'm calling him my love child. And um, <laughs> I don't know the lad, but he's, in my books, he's my love child. And he made a difference and he looked a proper player. And I think he is the, the piece, the jigsaw that we're missing. I genuinely do. I think it's a great sign. And well done, Stephen. I think Stephen Bradley to get him. Terrific signing. I saw your son Jason on Twitter. He said that there was actually a Gaffney on the founding board in Rings End. So the Gaffney name is just synonymous with the club at this stage. Well, look at hold on. You're talking to the first player of the year here. Uh, <laughs> my son has just had Archie. He's covered in in the the, the uh, in the Rovers um, baby strip as well. It's brilliant. And Jason actually pointed out there's a Gaffney from Rings End. Um, so I'm. I'm in good company. Eddie Saul will have to treat me a little bit differently now with the Pride of Ring, or with the Rings End lads. Uh, 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 Gaffney from Rings End, happy days. But yeah, but it was it was great to actually see the name Gaffney on uh, Rory's back. I have to tell you, it, 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 it was great. So I'm going to have a word with Mr. Fury to see. And uh, now that we're sponsoring Joey, and you know, Fury's a multi millionaire. Will we do a Rory Gaffney as well? But we'll see. We'll see. Oh, that's brilliant. Thanks a million for talking to us today, uh, Robbie. Well, Any time, buddy. Keep, keep, keep on hooping, as Mr. McCarthy would say. So that was the gaff and uh, a, a rover stalwart, as you say. A legend. Still yeah. going to games, still season ticket holder, still a member. Yeah, I love how vividly he remembers that night. I mean, this was... Ah, you'd have to, wouldn't you? This was 40 years ago, and it clearly meant so much to him. I suppose if you look at the full list of Player of the Year winners... It almost reads like a who's who: Shamrock Rovers, Jack Byrne, G- Gary Twig, Pat Byrne, Alan O'Neill. So and Robbie on, Gaffney. So to be on the illustrious list, ah, oh, it's crazy. I mean, and I can yeah. only imagine him, a hometown lad, a fan, getting Player of the Year for Rovers. Ah, yeah. oh, you'd be, you'd never forget it. I put uh, see that that picture of uh, him him lifting the award. Yeah, yeah, some dodgy, some dodgy clothes and <laughs> facial hair, porn star moustache. Just uh, yeah, the seventies. Uh, the background music. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big old trophy. Remind, I thought it was the old UEFA Cup. Yeah, it was actually. Yeah, I put it in the the Wack Express <laughs> chat, and Mick McCarty said, "Sorry, he voted for Mick Megan." <laughs> Mick did, did he? Yeah. No loyalty, Mick. So, Prof, life without football is, uh, I said, they say football without fans is nothing. Life without football is nothing. What What do you do? It's, it's very strange. You've heard all the jokes now. Oh, yeah, talk to me wife now. and uh, mm. she, she seems nice, that type of thing. It's, it's true to a certain extent. I mean, there's just, it's, it's so surreal and strange not having football in your life. And sport in general. Like, I'd be a fan of other sports as well. What? 
what the fuck do people do who don't enjoy sport? Even every news item is just will so and so will this event be cancelled and when will it be moved to? Nuts. Like even the daily routines, like you come in from work, you sit down, you might have a sandwich, put on a cup of put on the kettle and then immediately the first thing you do is put on Sky Sports update because it has world sports and all the football news from all around the world and now it's nothing. So the little small, little tiny routines are gone out the window as well. I'm up to date on every on every football highlight show. Bundesliga is up to date. So yeah, like I've nothing to watch and Somebody deleted the FAI Cup final off the skybox. Oh, no. So I'm fucked. Usually you throw that on and you get a good two hours hour on a Saturday <laughs> and you're happy enough having a couple of beers. Now that's gone. I'll have that safety stored. It's not going anywhere. Ah, I'm fucked, man. I don't know what to be doing. So I haven't turned on Sky Sports News since all this. What did they even be talking about? Uh, they talk about flies crawling across walls or, or cockroaches. They're talking about that. Like, there's nothing to talk about. There's nothing to talk about. Like, um... No, there's nothing. Do I can't even think of anything. No, my favourite. Belarus still have a football t- league yeah. on. Uh, Burundi. And when you hear this, Burundi, they actually have the players in masks and gloves. No way. Playing football, yeah. Swear to God. Oh my God. Little Anto Matthews fact for you there. Yeah. 30 degree heat. My favourite day was the first weekend when the games were called off. Our games were called off. And I think England then the Finn Harps at home, Premier yeah. League followed then, didn't it? After our yeah. announcement, but the non-league football in England kept going. Yeah, I remember the so, day after yeah. that. It was like Exeter and stuff like that, and all those teams. Yeah, and just see the lads like lads in our group would be like putting the bets on on the Saturday. So that's all they had. So it was just like, come on, Bestford and Matlock Town. Altrincham. <laughs> come on, Altrincham. We love you, Altrincham. We do. Oh, it was a bit laughing. Ah, man, it's horrendous stuff. Hopefully Elgin will get the win today. <laughs> Cowden beat. But, like, they'd have to... I think they have stopped it now, haven't they? But, like, obviously football fans will just flock to those games. True. And then those crowds will get too big and then have to stop them. Sure, even, um... Even at the height of it, when the, it was like panic stations, like there was live rugby on, and there was thousands at it. Mm. Cheltenham's another example. No, as don't well. get me started on Cheltenham. Don't, like, don't get me started. Yeah, we need a show alone for that. Uh, yeah, so like like we said, life without football, it's just crazy. There's nothing to do. Like even like they're what are they? What are Paddy Power taking bets on? They're taking power, taking bets on everything. I nearly had we're going to talk about the Beer World Cup in a while but I was I nearly had them giving us odds on that <laughs> like it's it's there's nothing to bet on but life without football it's a sad state of affairs so we're going to move on to Airsport who finally had a bit of decent football on and they were replaying all the old Satanta Sports Cup finals so including our 2011 and 2013 wins and uh, you got a mention in the commentary of your stats probably even back then yeah. I remember that, yeah. Will Will Downing. So I used to put up used to put up like a tirade of stats on the website and uh he'd go through them and use the odd one. So yeah, fair play to him for, for crediting me. But uh yeah, so what did you what did you make of the Satanta Cup finals? Did you watch any of them? No, I didn't watch any of them. Uh, I watched Belgrade last night but I haven't been watching the Satanta finals. Did you check him out? Yeah, I was watching a few little bits of them. Um the kits I just remember being just totally deadly back then. Yeah. The black one in particular. Um and my favourite still twenty twelve though. 
2012 the black one all black both of them the home all black. And, and the black, all black and purple class ah, yeah definitely yeah that was like uh, similar to a Rupert Ruby jersey, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, 2012. Yeah, the all black one, is it? No, 2012 was the black and purple. Oh, black and blacks. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas the tan. Oh, the stripes. Tan the hoops. The plain black. We wore that and wire. That is well. possibly one of the best of all time. The mm. the black and purple stripes. Yeah, so that was the Satanta Sports Finals, and I think they're continuing to show them on, aren't they? I'm not too sure, but don't know um, where they are now. 2014 or something. Maybe. Well, it must be up and around that, yeah. So we've decided once again we've we're men of the people here, Prof. We've decided to suspend our Patreon until the season continues and returns. So all Tifty's patrons will be charged in the meantime. So, um, all forty of you so far. Thanks again to everybody who signed up. And Jason McLean said, "This is the way forward. It's Tifty's TV, and yep. we've been pushing in the like under the radar. We've been pushing to try and get some things done." But it's just not possible at the minute. Mm. I mean, we can't film the players. We can't get them out. We had a couple of ideas for the time trial. We have this brand new thing called the Tifty's time trial. We want to get involved in and have the players. But it's just not possible with the way things are in the current climate. So, um, like we were we were just building momentum. Like we were establishing our page on, and we had a lot of exciting things planned. And this just yeah. pulled the rug out from under us, didn't it? Really interesting. I was really excited about yeah. the, the time trial. That was going to be great, crack. We'll get. We'll, we'll, yeah. We won't talk too much about it, but it was. It was involving patrons, fans, players. It was going to be really good. But that, listen, the last thing we did on Patreon was uh, was the Con Murphy interview, and uh, Kieran Stafford had, uh, gave us some feedback. He said a perfect picture of Cup Final Day, painted by Con Murphy in the podcast this week. I don't think I'll ever tire of hearing different hoops experience of the day. You couldn't. You could not. Even the likes of Karen Connolly still gets emotional when we talk about it now and she was telling me she was just saying yeah it's just such an emotional day and it was I mean when you think back to it like think about the day itself like three double deckers going from the Abbo all jam packed full of Rovers fans full of hardcore you get out in the rings end and you just see thousands of people in front of you the white horse leads us in and then just the the absolute heartbreak of the goal that, that stung us in the final minute and we we all thought we were dead and buried and we came out fighting in the second half or in the in extra time and we won on penalties like it was just amazing I'll never ever forget that and Jaden still talks about it Moya still talks about it Moya's five like this we're never ever ever going to forget that ever that just does not get old never I, it doesn't get old hearing different people's memory of it I'm I'm interested in hearing every single person's perspective of the day, like what they did, did they, did they travel from the states or Australia or or something, like what emotions were they going through, like how much heartbreak had they seen up until then, like every story is interesting. Like it's a six point job, not as in points on the board. But I'm talking about points down your neck. Like you could sit with any hoop and easily sink six points and just have a good two hour conversation with the whole day itself because it just leads into other topics like what you did that day what you did after it how many days did you go on the piss for like it's just it's it's just an epic epic day that we'll never mm-hmm. ever forget as summed up by Con you can hear what it meant to him what it meant to him and his family so yeah oh, there were so many emotional people and just tears everywhere it was just one of those days I'd like to uh, add myself to the list of hatred for filming Khan in portrait mode. I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I actually thought it looked quite well. 
yeah so that's it yeah no more activity for the time being no more patron um, but we will get back to full strength uh, some random news here former Rovers defender Sean Heaney became a Garda after a few weeks training a big Garda head in him anyway wasn't there he actually does have a Garda big head. Garda head if you if, if yeah. you pulled you over you'd think this fella's from the arse of Cork <laughs> <laughs> like sorry Garda remember also from that 2016 era Craig Hyland joined the Dublin Fire Brigade yeah yeah which is probably a lot harder to be honest mm. I don't think you can rock up and get a couple of weeks training and become a fireman now yeah, so uh, something we noticed as well, this, who sponsors Thomas Alou's away jersey. This is strange. Down the pub podcast, a look at the English Premier League and other football stories while enjoying a point. Recorded in Halifax, Nova Scotia. So Can someone shed some light on this? What the fuck is going on there? <laughs> How do they sponsor Thomas Alou's away jersey? How does that happen? So they're in Canada. They're up in the like the top of Canada, isn't it? Nova Scotia. Nova Scotia, I think, is like like top fucking north, really north Antarctic job, and they're they're sponsoring Thomas Lewis away jersey in Dublin. <laughs> I want to know the connection. We have to find out the connection. I just need to know. Mm. So, uh, so our social media team have been uh, doing our best to keep you all entertained during the quarantine, but. Uh, Various little features. Meanwhile, over in Dublin 7, the Bowers Twitter account is keeping them updated on an eagle that's building a nest in the Daily Mount floodlights. 100% never happened. <laughs> Not a chance. Capital N, capital H. I reckon some mangy old seagull fell off the Des Kelly and he just goes, yeah, that was an eagle. And it had babies. And the babies are made of gold. Organic gold. Would you fuck off, Bowes? Do you ever notice that they were the only club to release a statement saying that they're continuing to pay their players? That's a good point. I didn't see like any you're actually gonna s- that. That's like me coming out tomorrow on Twitter and saying, lads, I'm going to probably work for the rest of my life. Because that's how things go. That's, how, that's what happens. I'm, I'm going to work, lads. I'm going to work. Everybody praise me. Would you fuck <laughs> off, Bowes? Yeah, oh the only announcement we had was is it just Strada and Sligo or is there anyone else who announced that they had to cut staff but uh, Bowles the uh, only one Sligo, Drada, that's all as far as I know yeah but Bowles, <laughs> Bowles the only one that announced we're going to keep paying, paying oh, the staff yeah. fuck off fucking Dan Bob Geldof Lambert unbelievable did you see the size of his head on <laughs> that <laughs> That charity box. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, he's a massive head, Ari. He's a big old head. Big J in between our head and them, isn't there? The box or the the donation thing. His head takes up three quarters of it. And down the bottom you have the less fortunate people who are in need of your donations. <laughs> being dwarfed by his head. It sums them up. It actually it? does. It does, it sums them up. Feed the balls as they used to say. Oh man, they're brutal. Yeah, uh, now out of pure and utter boredom, and probably because I've been drinking a little bit too much, uh, not not in a bad way, just just drinking all sorts of different beers and stuff, trying new things, um, I decided to come up with a Beer World Cup, right? And purely out of boredom, and it took, it kind of gathered a bit of momentum. So much so that Peroni have been on to me, Stella have been on to me, all 
expressing like just thinking it's pretty cool and so I'm going to work on that now no offence to Carling or anything. Carling went down mm. to group stages because we need more sponsorship care yeah I don't know I just want points of Peroni in the suite <laughs> I'll settle for that points of Stella and Peroni in the suite it'd be beautiful but um, yeah so this has been great crack I'm loving this like I'm having great crack with it and it's it's sparking debates and rails nearly and even Maloney jumped in on it as well he was jumping down my throat for a non-alcoholics uh, group as well which was never happening I love Poddle's path into the quarterfinals. Ah, oh, the underdog. The it's, story of the underdog. It's like a Columbia Surprise World Cup quarterfinals. <laughs> yeah, that's what I've been comparing all these to. <laughs> like, uh, Poddle drew San Miguel in the last 16, same way Ireland drew Spain in the last 16,000 of uh, 2002. So it, it kind of mirrored some uh, previous real World Cup matches. But the quarterfinal at the minute. So uh, we have Peroni and Corona, which is going on at the minute. Uh, we've Heineken and Bira Moretti which is going on in the minute so as, as you listen to this you'll know the result of that uh, Coors Light take on Cobra Prof your favourite I think Cobra will no. knock the bollocks out of them I hope Cobra are you a fan of Coors Light you, but you used to drink Coors as well but then we, we've shown you the light I don't mind it just there's nothing else but, but Cobra's Cobra isn't it ah Cobra's my favourite and then we have the success story of the Beer World Cup so far it's Poddle our friend, who we are literally about 100 yards from right now, where they brew it. And we're looking, We, if we looked out the window, we'd see the four provinces as well. So, friend of the podcast, four provinces, have been pushing Poddle right to the death. They've been getting everybody they know. Emma Kirwan voted, Stephen Jones, Liam Cunningham, all the the cool thespian community of Ireland <laughs> have been voting for Poddle. And Poddle have Stella in the quarterfinals. So we have split loyalties with some of the Tifties fan base, including probably Deco Fitz. That's a tough opponent. Who man. is a fond man of Stella. Matty O'D as well, fond Stella drinker. So it's a it's Clash of the Titans, really. But if you were going, I'm going to get your predictions on it now, Prof. I'm going to get your personal preference. So Peroni versus Corona, who are you going to go with? I'm going to go Peroni. Yeah, I have to be Peroni for myself. I've tipped <laughs> them to lift the trophy now myself. Did you see that video? Uh, I think it was recorded in the UK. The fellow was recording the the shelves for where alcohol is yeah, sold, and yeah. it's just every single shelf was bare, 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 bare. But goes right down to the end, full of Corona. Yeah, really, untouched. I thought they would have went straight for that. Corona's not a bad beer, in fairness. No, obviously because the virus. It's ah, just, just ignoring. I've heard, I've heard their sales have shot up. To be fair. Um, Peroni I'm, I'm on Peroni all day I just think it's a nicer beer Corona's a nice nice enough beer but Peroni's Peroni's like top class you know we're talking Premier League here Corona could be about championship we're talking Heineken and Bira what do you think bro? Bira Moretti and Heineken well I think Heineken's going to win but personal uh, preference <laughs> don't think I've had enough of Bira Moretti to decide that one I I broke into a spontaneous argument tonight in work about Birra versus Peroni which could per, could set up in the final could be an all Italian final and it's a tough one but I went for Peroni but Birra should knock the bollocks out of Heineken mm-hmm. possibly not enough exposure for Birra Moretti in Ireland and in the Twitter fan base to kind of push it through over the line I think a lot of people might stay safe and go Heineken but Birra Moretti for me all day it's an absolutely beautiful beer, the 660 mil, the big one, four for a tenner. Absolutely beautiful. Uh, Coors Light and Cobra, prof, no contest here. No. Cobra, 
easily true there in my opinion as well Cobra is a lovely lovely beer quite fond of it with an old Indian and then we Poddle versus Stella I don't think I think I'll abstain from voting on this one considering I ended up on the kitchen floor we're, last time we're, we're too close yeah. to the situation uh, was, I, that not, was that the IPA that floored you oh the Piper yeah but I started off on the Poddle started yeah. off on the Poddle and thought this is great yeah this is doing nothing to me fucking <laughs> 24 hours I think hours we later. both swished didn't we yeah we went I for remember, the point I remember Mick McCarty in the crowd was like you'll be on the potty later dishwater now <laughs> dishwater I think he was calling it but a uh, cracker of a beer puddle you can get it online they're delivering it they're doing the door to door service as well so check them out Four Provinces I'm not sure what the website is but you can find them on Twitter Four Provinces Brewery it's only one and uh, yeah they're, they're top guys so check us out on Twitter at eastampod if you want to Pay attention to our beer World Cup, and we want to call out Paddy Power, and we're gonna want bare knuckle boxing match, me and Paddy Power, because they fucking plagiarised us. They took our idea. I've been at them all week about getting actual odds for this, right? Emailing them, atting them, messaging them on Instagram, and then they came out with the pub World Cup. So they fucking took my idea, they grabbed it, they moulded it, morphed it, and twisted it into their own horrible little creation. That's low. It's the fucking lowest of the low. So Very I'm calling them out. Bare knuckle boxing. In the new with full of Vaseline. Mm. More find stipulations. Out, find out who is the winningest. <laughs> yeah, the winningest. <laughs> I can't believe you used it on a few tweets. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so that's it. The beer woke up. Check us out. Having a great crack with it. Um... Yeah, so we're going on to our social media again. So Rovers, we've been very active and busy. Some of the things that we've been uh, doing. The Rovers players have a Stay Fit series. And... Uh, I didn't, don't think I saw that one. I might have. That's just players doing drills. Oh, know, I like, did. I saw Joey's yeah. one. Yeah. yeah Joey, Jack, saw Joey, yeah. Oh, I saw Jack's... Uh, Jaden was watching Jack's Cruyff Torn. His outside yeah. of the boot one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Pico started in isolation 11. Alan Kinsella did one with his political badges. This is brilliant. That was great. This was really good. I might yeah. do this. If we're going to go for League of Ireland one. For sure, he got one on his own, didn't he? He got one for the Rovers team at all, didn't he? He did, yeah. Yeah. Some were a bit of a stretch, but they were quite funny. <laughs> yeah. I think we could give it a bash. Yeah. Uh, we live replays the FAI Cup semi final and the final win in Bel and final and the win in Belgrade 2011 this just last which was last night. Um even just watching back on the footage, like the the different camera angles and mm-hmm. like for instance I think there was a camera angle from maybe three quarters of the way down the touchline where the goal is near the corner flag and it's looking up into the Stadium where the the Grabari are, and it's just like a movie. It's like something of a documentary. You're looking at it going, what the fuck, man? There's thousands of them going I nuts. I was taken aback by some of those angles. Like you're looking at it going, wow. Some of them were down very low and looking up. And the low, just, the low angles the were amazing, weren't they? Stand. They're the ones I'm talking about. The really and low angles, and it just skies up. We've, oh. we've heard the word hostile used before. For that crowd, but jeez, they were so noisy the whole game. Nuts! And I'm just looking at your your wall of books here that leads down to yeah. your, your torture dungeon, and the Grabari is right there, and a fantastic book as well. We have a was, what is uh, it? Your what's the name of our chapter? Your mother is a cunt or something like that. Your your mother's peasant seaward. <laughs> your mother's yeah. peasant sea next yeah. Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we get a mention, and that wasn't it. Yeah. Former, what's the name of the Israeli coach who managed Chelsea? Avram Grant. Wasn't he yeah. the gaffer just before that? And then he took uh, over, or he possibly took over after. I think one it was after. Other. Yeah, one or the other anyway. Funny enough about him, right, he won the title 
but he got sacked because he lost all three derbies. It's very balls, isn't it? Mad, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, we've we've been having loads of crack on social media. There's been loads going on. Quiz games and Sparkle. What? What's Sparkle? That's like a posh way of saying Sparkle. Sparkle! I know. What's going on there? That's the quiz platform. Okay, and Twitter with the 2011 and 2006 season team was this week. The second I went onto Twitter and I went onto these quizzes... I said, this prof fucker is on over this. I can spot your questions a mile off. They lure you in, they trick you, and you think every answer is feasible. Every answer is possible. And you really have to think about it. And what made it worse, I think they had a five-minute limit. Was it five minutes? Yeah. It was, it was killing me. I got to the... I Actually, do you know what I got wrong? I think I got the 2011 top scorer wrong. I thought you'd remember that. I thought it was Billy. It was Billy. I might yeah. have looked at the wrong answer, but I right. definitely knew because 2009 he came. He was top scorer, and 2010 he was top scorer in every season. Bar that, bar that one, yeah. And I was looking at it thinking, hundred percent, Billy. Then he was he was top league goal scorer that year, but Billy got him in all competitions. I think that went down to the war. As regards to um, top goal scorer, there wasn't much in it. I think Billy might have nicked at the end, yeah. Yeah, that's what I was but, thinking. Uh, I came home that day to an abusive message from Gary. I was like, that was fucking you, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I knew it. I knew it was you. And the first one I did on Sparkle, the uh, the Cape flag, Cape Verde flag. Got that wrong. Caught you out. Definitely got that wrong. It was yeah. a guess. It had to be a guess. I was never getting it. They were all so similar. All so similar. Was I was my... looking at it going, that's the one I think. That's the one I thought. Prof fucker sitting there laughing, having the crack, I thinking sp- this is great. I spent so much time going through world flags, finding four. Are they all ones. legitimate flags? Yeah, all countries. Yeah, I'd say you're just sitting there doing the Mr. Burns thing with your fingers, <laughs> just thinking about how much anguish and annoyance you're causing people. One of them was actually the Iceland flag. I didn't yeah, cop that at I think all. One was Haiti. Didn't cop that at all. We should have mm-hmm. known. Um, yeah so speaking of Pigo who has been I think he did the toilet roll challenge for us he was the fourth one as well that's another one as well toilet roll challenge yep. uh, the ban on social gatherings in a recent interview he talked about how his routine has changed since the outbreak so a little bit of insight into Pico's life uh, we're doing our own bit at home it doesn't make sense to train in a group at this stage you just try and be professional the club has given us individual work to do looking after our fitness and strength but you need to take the onus on yourself the defender continued he said to ha- you have to be professional in what you're doing and keep yourself taking over and pushing yourself to know that we're going to be back and we're going to be ready to go and hit the ground running again it's a weird feeling because it's like an off season but you don't feel like you deserve it you don't feel like you deserve to kick back and relax and enjoy yourself and go for a few drinks or takeaways. You want to get out, work hard, have your daily routine of pushing yourself and training for a match Friday. It's really hard to replicate that by yourself, but you have to try and be professional. I'm trying to keep it as close as I can to my regular routine. I'm getting up at the same time, having my breakfast, foam rolling, stretching in the living room, and before I go out for a run, having a kick around in the local park. I've a bike there and have a few weights knocking around the place. Some days I'm even doing double sessions just to get out of the house, and there's plenty to do to keep me busy. Try to keep my routine as close as it would be your average week that you'd be training. So some very professional and wise words from Pico Lopez there. Hopefully everybody else in the team is doing the same. Um, it's it's It would be very, very hard to keep focused because there's nothing to look forward to. There's nothing to 
like for your energy to be spent on at the end of the week with a game on a Friday and the build up isn't there anymore where you might have dirty away and you'll stay over on the Thursday night you play on the Friday night the build up isn't there the release isn't there so it must be very very hard to kind of for like to, to to replicate that mm. for these players who are housebound and pretty much just stuck without doing what they love. And even like when we come back, it's going to be basically a preseason all over again. Because we we were probably in the gym since December or something. And the idea is you prepare for February, and then you try and probably peak fitness wise at some stage during the season. Like everything mm. is on a schedule, and everything is shown off schedule now. It's crazy, isn't it? It's nuts. Do you reckon Sean Kavanagh is the happiest player in the squad right now? Oh, to a certain extent, like you have to be, you have to be greedy sometimes in football. And every every footballer knows that, every fan knows that that some players have to be greedy as regards to just their love for football and wanting to play. He he must be slightly happy that he's gonna get to play more games now, more meaningful games, and he possibly be fully fit when we get back to this. So it's great for us, but as a whole, obviously we don't want this kind of situation to be happening in the world. But if we're gonna get down to the nitty gritty and the the greed once again, the greedy the greedy circumstances, it's it'd be great to have him fully fit and back. Sitting when there thinking I'm out for two or three months with injury, and then the season is put on hold for his entire injury recovery period. That should be a little bit of uh, incentive to kind of think, okay, well I. I'm going to give Brads a headache now, a managerial headache, a selection headache when we come back. I'll be fully fit and then we've got Laff, Ferrugia and Kavanaugh on the left-hand side. Hopefully all fit. Um, yeah, so uh, Bradzar as well was jumping in on the whole thing. We've a message from him on Monday. It was a call to arms and there was a great line from it. We've made great progress as a football club over the past three years, largely due to the fact that we have stuck together through good times and bad. Our squad is not 22 players. It is not 102. Our squad is every single person that bleeds green and white and we must stay so tight now more than ever. I can see that being remembered towards the end of the season now, hopefully. Do you know what, what else he said, Ger? What else did he say? He said that this is unprecedented. <laughs> Have we got a sound, boy? <laughs> I'm waiting for one of those songs. You know, like when somebody... Uh, I think there was one where with Trump recently and they spliced together loads of audio to sing like a a popular song that's out at the moment like Dance Monkey or something like that so somebody actually took the time to edit together every single word to form the word, the, the song Dance Monkey in Trump's voice Do you know what I mean like that's that's a, that's a lot you know from editing that is a lot of effort man Um, yeah a bit of a random off topic Trump rant there but we do have some Trump followers in the in the Rovers community uh, Barney being uh, his one, biggest fan one in particular yeah, yeah Barney absolutely he can do no wrong in Barney's the eyes goat. the GOAT yeah the GOAT president it's actually I, I love the conversations that, that kick off about Donald Trump and it. it's it's uh, there's no backing down that's what I love he, he, he fights his corner but uh, yeah so that's the broke the quote from Brad's are some great stuff and like I said hopefully we'll be looking back at it at the end of the season. Um, newspapers, prof, they have a lot of nostalgia these days. We'd Royce are talking about Belgrade and Madrid. Uh, the Mirror interviewed Ryan Thompson and the Daily Star did a piece on Rovers entering examinership in 2005. Can we just sit back and appreciate Ryan Thompson's save once again? How fucking good was it? When you watch it in real time, it it doesn't it, look great. It didn't look 
I was actually thinking, oh, this was this an earlier save? Mm. Or it was only when you got the proper angle. The angle is, I'd say, it's, it's perfect. The, the goal, it's yeah. at a slight angle as well, though. And you, to the left, maybe. <laughs> it's fucking astonishing. Like, it's outrageous. He defied gravity. It was actually... How clever was the shot? Because he just sort of like... He hit across the keeper. Usually they'll yeah. go to the left corner. He just hooked it with his right foot the other way. Like it was such Which a, is what you're supposed to do. It was such an unexpected shot. There's no way he could have anticipated that oh shot. Oh my God. What a save. That's the thing. Like If you're talking who's the better overall keeper? Alan Manis, hands down. But... Manus wouldn't have saved that. Yeah, yeah. Manus wouldn't have. No yeah. other keeper would have saved that. He was just, he was the right man at the right time. Granted, he did kick the ball straight to their strike. <laughs> I forgot how early this was. It was the, like four minutes. The fourth minute of the game. Four minutes in. And, and I thought it was a pass back. My memory was hazy on this. It I'm, was a goal kick. My, my distinct memories of Ryan Thompson are him trying to murder Dan Murray. Yeah. <laughs> And me and you, in the in the grips of terror, every time someone passed the ball back to him. He could kick it out from a goal kick most of the time. But when the ball got kicked back to him, <laughs> I were just there going, Jesus, because he'd either try and take someone on, uh, or he'd fluff it. He did that later in the game. <laughs> yeah, he, he skinned someone. He started, and then he, he put, it was like, okay, enough of this. So he put it out there. Yeah, yeah. like he tried and skin someone. He'd, he'd fluff it or he'd do something absolutely nuts like he was a character and a top class lad remember he turned up at my little brother's birthday party yeah this <laughs> is totally random the first for hours player in Johnny Blues yeah he was yeah. Ryan Thompson pre-podcast days ah great uh, guy great guy oh man just you mentioned the examinership there the piece in the in the star Johnson Roach said at the end of examinership we were basically given a bag of balls while Noel Byrne Went into Mark Lynch's office with a computer. And that was the club. Yeah, and then what do you do from there? So, um, crazy stuff. Crazy, crazy stuff. As much as I hate this time without football, sometimes it is kind of nice to just have a moment to reflect on all the the great moments and ah, nostalgia. True, very, very true, yeah. I mean, when you think back to like Bray, UCD, when we won the leagues there and all the... The tough times as well, because like we said to the to the codgers and our group, the the older generation, uh, did they ever think that we'd be in this situation? Now this is after Dundalk when we won three two and there was nearly eight thousand in the stadium. I said, did you ever imagine that we could be here at this moment in time, considering you tramped up and down to fucking away home games in Cork, games in the soulless Martin Stadium? Did you ever think that we'd be at this? And they said, never, not in their wildest dreams. So it's people like that you're kind of happy for as well. Because they're the ones who kept the club alive. They're the ones who rocked up on a Monday, went out and took loans, gave it straight to Rovers to, to save the club. You know, these are the ones that you kind of look back on and go, yeah, well, it's they're still here now as well, reaping benefits. So, And it's just going to make it even sweeter when we do come back to normality. Like, how much joy is there going to be? When we can go to Tata again. Well, we have we something special planned. We can celebrate goals planned. and hug each other again. Yeah, we have something special planned anyway for our back to see. Uh, it's not even. It's not an end of season party. It's a restart of season party. We are going to fucking knock this one out of the park. Big party plan. That's all I'm saying. I, I actually hope it's not Dundalk. I hope it's like Finn Harps or some. <laughs> because it doesn't matter who it is. It's going to be sold out. Yeah. 
Don't care. Every, it, do you know what I was thinking as well? The easiest sellout ever. When we do get back to normality, like there's gonna be so much happening. Gigs, stand up, everything. Everybody's gonna want to get back in the wagon and get back in the drive and see and just do what they're doing. It's gonna be like social media central. Our social, like the social gatherings, are gonna go through the roof because everybody's gonna have to get back to work. It's gonna be nuts. Mm-hmm. Like I said, twenty-two days since our last show, and many, many was that since Sligo, another four or five or something. Yeah. Still not quite the longest break in a Shamrock Robbery season. The longest is still thirty days for the foot and mouth crisis back in two thousand and one. Oh yes. Yeah. Which I do think we will surpass it, unfortunately. Oh, we're definitely going to pass it, but... Uh, that was the first time anything like that happened. But uh, obviously it's going to go on uh, a lot longer. But like we spoke about the Belgrade game already, and I mean, there was a lot of people watching it. Um, still still nuts when you think about it. Still crazy. A shout out mm. to Usher, actually, who put up a picture of your book. So I'm guessing he was reading it. I heard that last week as well. So shout out to Ryan Usher. He must have been reading Tala Time. I don't think he was aware that you wrote you and McDermott. Um the whole the whole situation with Belgrade was it's, it's still crazy. It was just I was saying to you earlier, even watching the game again, it looks like it's gonna be another one of those hard luck stories. Because the game was so there was spells where we were under the cosh. Especially the first twenty minutes of the game. And the first 15 minutes of extra time, we were under serious pressure. Mm. But we were hanging in there. And we played some great football too. Second half. Uh, Michael O'Neill's tactical prowess shown. Like their left back, Volkov, was just running the muck. I meant to look him up. Did you look him up afterwards to see who he went to or how his career? He stayed there for a few years and then he didn't have much of a career. Yeah, he was really good that but, day. Uh, yeah, he scored the goal. He, it was his shot that Thompson made the save from. But like whatever tactics O'Neill used, he nullified him second half. Stevens was was brilliant, rampant. It's quite quite interesting hearing the commentators talk about Stevens. Oh, do you think he could play at a higher level? Maybe be a senior <laughs> Ireland international. It's cool hearing that. Shoe in at left foot yeah. now. But like it's just it was it was set up for like a a moral victory, like stifling heat, tired legs. Oh, we could see the late goal now. But now, like it was just. The heart we showed, and as I said, we played good football. Got the penalty, still never a penalty. Never. Carl Shepard dive 9.5 out of 10. Was yeah. Shepard or Kilduff? Shepard uh, dive? Shepard, yeah. Kilduff yeah. hit the shot. Yeah. Saves. But, you know what stood out for me? Aside from Sully's goal, which still gives you goosebumps. Man, Ah. Stood out for me, most of all. Could not believe how bad the ref was. <laughs> Garrett, this oh my like this is the This Rob, is Serbian corruption you're talking about. This is so. this is the Rob Harvey of Slovakia. <laughs> Garrett, I don't Ender got a clattering on the back of the head, right? Like a full on forearm elbow. Smashed him, right? Smashed. What do you think the result was? Yellow card for Ender. Yeah. Ender got booked. And then uh, and then he missed a two footer, I think it was an Ender again. And act like a full-on, two feet off the ground, two-footer. No booking. Obviously saw him as a danger man and where the threats were coming from. So <laughs> Then Mido did, two for them. Mido did something similar before he got sent off. Mido? Just let it go. 
Mido, he ends up joining Bolton after this. Remember him. Another, like, shocking tackle. No, I think he... No card. You had to physically assault Shep to get sent off. You had, like, this should have been a police matter. He just jumped up and stamped on him. And then ref was like, well, I suppose I'll have to give you red for that. But then, having said all that, he gave us the penal. And Thompson actually should have given away a penal as well. I, I totally forgot this, but Thompson, so Thompson kind of... I don't know how he... Kind of with his hip, I think. He just sort of... He, uh, I think it was Markovic, the fellow who ended up signing for Liverpool. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lazar. He was very young then. And uh, no, it was Benno. And uh, ref didn't give us. So having said that, absolutely shocking refereeing performance. But the two penalty decisions went their way somehow. Ah, uh, unbelievable stuff, really. Yeah, was. I just love noticing all the little things. Like, Stevie O'Donnell remembered for the penalty, but he came off the bench, right? And two minutes after he came off the bench, they were true on goal. And you just see Stevie f- tracking the run all the way in. Follows it, follows it, follows it. Your man's about to get the shot off from about six yards. Last dish tackle in extra time. Like, that would have been a goal. Right, here's a question for you. Name something else he's done in his career, his role career. Oh, man. <laughs> Prop up the injury table. Yeah. No, he was great in the game, though. Yeah, so the Belgrade game, but really, like, it's yeah. still hard to believe it was that long ago as well. Young what Ron. a goal from Sully. Great Fuck sh- me. Great shots of people celebrating when the Peno went in. You've probably seen some of the iconic photos. Murray going down on his knees, clenching his fists, end up wheeling away. The cover of Tal Dimes, Twiggy. Yeah. Under the scoreboard. Spot Andy Myler on the bench. Gone mad. <laughs> oh, yeah, he had some yeah. good stories, didn't he? Yeah. About uh, the doctor. Yeah, the only thing that annoyed me was there was only one shot of our fans the whole game, and that was after the full time. Yeah, wasn't? they're not gonna show our fans already, really. Yeah, they're gonna like, show the Grobardi in their prime, you know. But like one, that's it. That's, but, that's for the, the team that won the match. Yeah, true. I'd be, oh, totally agree with you. As we had with the fans earlier, it was jeez, it was hostile. But it was funny though when you can hear them turning on the. the oh, easily, players. easily yeah. torn on them, yeah. Um, yeah, so we'll move on. Shelbourne have a new podcast, Prof. Didn't know that. 1895 podcast, and they had Peter Schmeichel on. How'd they, yeah. how'd they wing that one? Well, I think what it is, is going to be some clubs that are setting up a Patreon for the club itself. Yes. So, what Shelbourne, I think, are doing is they're doing it through the podcast. So, they have a Patreon paywall. Our Patreon is five euro and you can watch the videos of us yeah there's this five euro to actually listen to it okay so you can't listen to it if you're not a patron mm. similar to second captains robin bastards yeah. you wouldn't see us doing that now you wouldn't see us doing that no when a boy is a point go ahead you still get it for free <laughs> um yeah so up next we have one of my favorite center halves ever and it's darren mcguire and uh got giddy about this one prop because he's like i said i'm doing the header now i'm jumping up and i wish i had the long hair full of <laughs> gel or fucking oil or grease whatever it was well, it, you will whenever have, he'd had the ball it would go everywhere whoever was in front would be soaked you will have long hair in a few months because the barbers are closed so. yeah yeah mine's growing steadily here now i can do you know what i'm gonna grow my hair just like darren mcguire's i've officially i'm done it's happening mm-hmm. i'm gonna grow like mcguire's i'm gonna get a headband and I'm just going to get Jaden to throw the ball at me in the backyard and just head balls is for this, an hour. Is this a real promise or a Darren Glennon kind of promise? No, it's not a Darren Glennon one. I'll actually fulfil my promises. Yeah. Like certain people. 
And I and there there's us thinking crumbling the hop out of talent. Um yeah, so uh yeah, so this is Darren Maguire. Okay, we're joined on the line by former St. Pat's and Shamrock Rovers defender Darren Maguire, living all the way out in New Jersey these days. So when did you move out there, Darren? Oh uh, God, it's a little over six years ago now. And did you continue to play football at any sort of level in the States or was it was a total retirement from the game when you emigrated? No, we continue. I mean, I look at him playing in over 40s. Well, I started in an over 40s league and uh, that kind of disappeared. A lot of the lads were playing and then we, uh, we moved it to over 40s. So it was interesting. It's just, you know, it's just playing the game I love, man, still. So. But it's surprising. You get a lot of... Uh, you get a lot of good players here. You wouldn't think it, but you get a lot of like you know ex-Colombians, ex-Brazilians, ex you know all playing, and they're uh, they're not half bad. <laughs> yeah, you were saying off air there that you're you're an elevator technician, but imagine with the emergency we're all in, the streets are probably eerily empty over there in Jersey right now. So, how is COVID nineteen affecting your work and personal life? Uh, yeah, so uh, we're considered essential. Uh, so. Up to up the last week, I was actually in full time. But then, when the lockdown came, the company itself took it upon themselves to just uh, ask us to do like what's called furlough, which is uh, two weeks on, two weeks off, just because a lot of the buildings I, uh, I look after and don't weren't open or don't have as many bodies obviously going in and out of them. So they just, I guess, they're just trying to tighten their poor strings a little bit too. So I've been off for a week and a half doing the uh, homeschooling to my seven-year-old. So. For everybody else in Ireland, I feel your pain right now. And um, uh, hopefully back to work next week. Yeah, Donald Trump says it'll all be over by Easter, so I wouldn't worry about it. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure you can believe that whatever comes out of his mouth. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I think he just extended it actually another uh, month from yesterday. So we're, we're definitely on lockdown until April 30th. And that's honestly, that's a best case scenario right now. The way the numbers are multiplying particularly in New York, New Jersey. New York itself, I think, is at, um, don't quote me on this, but I think it's like 60,000, which is more cases than most countries out there. Uh, yeah, America yeah. itself is over 150,000, you know? So, got to do something about the numbers, unfortunately, you know? So, in terms of your career, let's go back to where it all began. And uh, I have a reason for asking about this, so I'll explain in a moment, but uh, Glenmore Celtic... Kind of the Shamrock yeah. Rovers of the Leinster Senior League in a way because they had like about 20 different homes in 20 years. They've finally settled out in Dundrum these days, but it was the, the Maccabi grounds back then when you were playing with them, wasn't it? That's right, yeah, yeah. It was Maccabi grounds. I lived in Green Hills, so the Maccabi grounds was a, maybe, you know, five, ten minutes in a car. And, um, nice grounds. Uh, I actually kind of just... Fell into it, I mean, Dean, Dean Fitzgerald, you know, I'm sure you remember Dean who played in, in the league uh, for Shelbourne and then went up north and had a great career up there. He, uh, myself, him and John Bean um, went down there and started playing actually with the, with the second team. Neither of us got near the first team for like a year or two. Um, Jimmy Spratt was our manager at the time, great lads. Actually, Jimmy Spratt is what, who turned me into a centre-half, if, if I have to be honest. I went there as a centre midfielder and... Um, Obviously, you know, didn't have the ability to stay in there, <laughs> so he made me a centre half, and uh, yeah, from there it just took off. I got into the got into the first team after maybe a season and a half. Dean, I think, had already got his move to Shelbourne. Uh, I got into the first team, started playing centre half with them. 
we won the league the year we won the league I had you know had Drada you know he'd come sniffing Nuri Town St. Pat's actually I signed for Nuri Town first uh, would you believe because Dean was up there and uh, you know just familiar Frey and at the time St. Pat's had like Packy Lynch uh, Steve McGuinness like all these very very well known great great centre halves and I just didn't think I had a chance to get into the team so yeah I went to Nuri but the travelling Travelling was just too much, you know. They were expecting me to get up there every single night. They were training and training. And, uh, you know, I, I think it lasted about three months at that. And then Pat Dolan, as soon as he heard I wasn't happy there, he opened the door back up. And I think of the first game, I signed on the Monday and we had a League Cup game against Shelbourne at home in Inchicore on the Thursday. And I, he put me straight in. I, they must have had a bad start, I believe, to the season. So, you know, he threw me in at the deep end, as they say, but um, we won that game. And then we went on a little run in the league and I wasn't out of the team the whole year and after that. I have a funny story about Glenmore, actually. Uh, where we record this podcast, the Maccabi grounds is right behind the house. So what I used to do was I would hop the wall and watch you, go watch his training and play football every Sunday. And I think I do remember oh, really? you playing, actually. Right. Yeah. I had, a, had a, I had a shaved head back then and a really dodgy knee band that I probably didn't need, but in my head I thought I needed. <laughs> yeah, the memories are flooding back now, actually, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. So you spent the next eight years of your career as St. Pat's. You ended up captaining the Saints as well. So overall, how do you look back on your time in Chicor? Great. I mean, uh, you know, my, whole, my, my time through Inchicore, obviously... You know, it would have been eight years, and I mean, it was nine seasons because we had that like little half season. You know, we switched from uh, winter football back to summer. Um, it was great. You know, it was family club, uh, great, great support. You know, I love playing in Chicago for many reasons. You know, it was a small, little, tight stadium. The pitch was small, which suited me. You know, it was a lazy centre half, so <laughs> didn't like to have to run too far out of the wings, and then. Um, had some great managers there, you know. I mean, Pat, as I said, Pat Dolan had a big influence on my career. Um, he, he he brought me there. Eamon Collins was coach at the time, and then he went on to manage, uh, maybe for a couple of years, and then Johnny Mack came in. So, you know, I worked with a lot, a lot of good football people back up. Robbers finally ended their uh, FBI Cup hoodoo in November. Pat's, of course, had that Cup hoodoo for a long time. You played in that 2003 Cup final defeat to uh, Longford and then probably equally as heartbreaking 2006 the last ever cup final we played at the old Lansdowne Round Road you were suspended for that one I, was, uh, I don't know which one hurts me more to be honest with you because in the in the 2003 one uh, Eamon Collins came to me the week before and asked me to play left back because Kareem at the time a French lad uh, was suspended for that and we had Clive Delaney in the team and you know he asked me to do a job at left back and <laughs> You know, as a centre half, I mean, right back is one thing, but as a centre half with no left foot, um, you know, we went out there, we lost the game. I mean, I wouldn't have cared if I played in goal if we hadn't won the game, but to lose the game was difficult. You know, if, uh, Fatty was sent off at one stage and it really put it up against us. But, um, the, the the one against Derby was just as frustrating, to be honest with you, because it was, it was a game in Longford that honestly didn't really mean a lot to either club. I got, I got booked in the first half and... Um, I think call this against Johnny Mac a little bit. I think I asked Johnny at half time, Am I okay? Like I mean if I get, you know, a second yellow on my suspend and he was like, No, no, I think we're good. I don't think it carries over. 
And of course, I go out and do something stupid in the second half again. So a yellow card. So that one hurts just because you know, no matter what, you're sitting in the stands. You can know you can do nothing about the the, the result, and um, on the pitch you can try. And um, neither neither really worked out for us. You know, I would have loved to break and broke the doodoo, I should say. Sorry for parts when I played there. Got two chances to do it really while I was at the club, and uh, couldn't couldn't get it done. <laughs> And Pats had had their their best season in your spell there in 2007, finished runners-up to Drogheda. Robbers were kind of in the bottom half of the table. So what was the conversation like with Pascotti when he approached you and ultimately why did you make the move to Robbers? Um, Pats, uh, at the time, just got a big influx of money. You know, Brian Kerr was there. Um, John Mack obviously was still the manager, but Brian had gone upstairs and starting to really trying to professionalise the club. So, I mean, I can appreciate that. I mean, through my career at Pats, it was, you know, it was 90% professional money. I think it was only me and Colin Foley who actually had jobs, you know. We came to a, an agreement with our companies to train two mornings a week and go back in, you know, by 12 o'clock. And well, I think Brian just came in with it, you know, we want to make this full-time. Uh, they made me an offer to, to, uh, to go full-time. But, uh, I mean... What age was I then? Thirty-one years of age, and um, to give up my elevator career, we'll say, well, you know, guaranteed money. I knew my, my career wasn't going to last forever. It just it didn't make sense. And so then, when it was actually Eamon Collins who who did most of the negotiation negotiation, sorry, for me with Pat Scully. So by the time I went there, I mean, there really was no question. I didn't want to leave Dublin. I mean, as I said, I'm a walking sound lad. I was stuck right between the two with Rovers and Pats when I was a kid. Um, so for Rovers to open up to me at the time was like, you know, it was the perfect move. I heard your family are big uh, Pats fans though. So how did they feel about you joining the Hoops? Well, they probably felt like every Hoops fan felt when I put a Hoops jersey on. <laughs> you know, um, the first year, like, um, I don't think I was the most liked person in the world like, coming to the club. You know, that's just rivalry though, you know. My family is the same. I mean, my mother and father travelled the length and breadth of the country from the, the youngest age. Like even with Glenmore Celtic, you now they were they were on the sidelines in, a, in the local park watching me. You know, so really, much and all as they are Pats fans, uh, their their colours change when my colours change, and they know whoever I'm playing for, like rivals or not, whoever you know, the team I'm playing for, I'll give a hundred percent. And so they were the same. They 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 switched over pretty quickly. <laughs> So you were amongst a number of players who made the debut on the first game of the 2008 season. You had Stephen Rice, Desi Baker, Sean O'Connor, Pat Flynn, all, all making their first appearance. It was a 1-0 win away to Champions Drogheda, causing an upset live on TV. So a brilliant start to the season. Yeah, it was. I mean, we actually made some, some really good signings that year. Most of the lads you just named there, like, you know, I mean, all very, very, very good players, well established in the league. Um, and yeah, we went up to draw that and I guess I won't say no one's given us a chance, but no one's no one's expecting us to go up there and win the game. Um, we had a great preseason. Like Pat, one thing about Pat, he did, he believed in hard work, like you know. And um, yeah, as you said, we went up there and we got a really good start to the season. We asked uh, some fans to send us some questions, so here's the first one: uh, Who side were you on in the Scotty versus Rice rail? Say Rosa. Really? Yeah, uh, Pat. Pat was a great manager, really nice guy. But 
once you went against them, and you didn't even need to go against them. I mean, there's times where Rice was the captain. Well, no, sorry, Aiden Rice was the captain. Rice was the vice captain. I mean, Aiden was injured at the time, so Rice had the right to go and ask certain things that players may be not upset with. And I feel like he got the brunt of what we wanted to put to Pat as a, as a as a team, you know. And uh, I, I just don't think Pat handled it great, you know. Like, sir, no, one thing he said about Stephen is he gives a hundred percent whatever team he's on, whatever pitch he's on, and uh, even even to try and represent the lads, he was given a hundred percent. And yeah, well, you have to I have to back myself on that one. You were also asked about your goal in Galway that season. The place went mental, they said. Do you remember that goal? I do, do you know? <laughs> this is how sad it is. Every now and again, you throw an old name into YouTube just to see if there's any goals of yours up there. <laughs> and, uh, there's a video of, I think, Joey Endo swung it in from a corner. And, uh, yeah, I got up. And, you know, I have to say, I still enjoy watching it. I still enjoy because it, it's video from the Rovers fans in the, st- in the stands. And, uh, yeah, the place erupted. Uh, it felt good, and I'm not going to lie. Had a stadium was just around the corner, of course. Was the excitement uh, building around that? And certainly by the last game at Talca Park, the fans were truly in party mode. Oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, it was it was a project, you know, yourself that, that was hanging on and you know got delayed. It was something that needed to happen for a club of Rover size, you know, to, to not have a home for as long as they did, um, to, to be going into like the heart of Talla. It was almost it was almost perfect, like you know, and um, everybody's excited. Players, fans, uh, managers, coaches, and staff. Um, I mean, in my opinion, it's still by far the nicest stadium in the league, and it's what everybody else should be should be measuring themselves against to try and get up to. I know it's not not easy. Um, I know Pat had an idea there thrown out with the government and with the local council, and I think they have a lot to answer for for that kind of uh, situation. Um, you know, the league itself needs support. It doesn't need just need support from the fans. The fans do it all the time. The fans are always there. But it needs support from the financial people, from the FAI, from governing bodies, whatever it takes to, to really help it uh, build it to, to, to the league it could be, you know. And you won the uh, the Player of the Year award that, that 2008 season. And we've mentioned like there were plenty of good players in that squad. So how nice was it to get that recognition by the supporters? Nice is an understatement. I'll be honest with you, because like I said, I remember uh, I remember being in, a, in the submarine bar. I don't know if you know in Crumlin, yeah. and we we had some sort of function there, and uh, you know players and fans were mingling, and I was told in no uncertain terms by a couple of Rovers fans. <laughs> uh, I won't say I wasn't welcome, but I was told like that. You know, you are Pat, you know, I was being Pat, so there was look, it was a bit of banter. Don't get me wrong, but. Um, just to, just just to get the player of the year that was voted by the fans meant more to me than most player of the years, to be honest with you, because uh, I felt like I was fighting an uphill battle. Um, like you said, I, I actually thought Danny O'Connor had a great season that year. I could name four or five other. But I even said it to Danny at the awards ceremony. I said, Danny, I thought this was you all day. But uh, now very appreciative. Uh, enjoyed every minute of it. And uh, yeah, it was it was a good night as well. Did you leave the trophy at home or did you bring with you to the States? No, it's with me. It's with yeah. me. I got a, like we moved, I moved over a cargo container and believe you me, I didn't leave I didn't leave home any of my football memorabilia. <laughs> <laughs> your name actually still comes up with Rawers fans. Uh you're like you're fondly remembered. You were there two seasons. Do you feel you had a good relationship with them? Yeah, I do. I mean, like 
that's the thing. I mean, I, again, I keep going back with the whole rivalry. Rivalry is great. It's great. You know, I mean, I, I don't care about anything says. You need it in the game. But, like I said, and I said many Rover fans when I, when, I, when I signed, when I, you know, when I put a jersey on, I'm playing for that jersey. I'm playing for that badge. I'm playing for the team I'm playing for. I won't give any less than, than 100% for it, you know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I have fond memories of all of them. Any, anytime, you know, we went out or anytime we got a chance to speak to them in the in the stadium or, you know, beforehand, uh, I always felt I had a good relationship with them when I, uh, I got over the first initial bump or two, you know? <laughs> so Michael Neal uh, came in then. Had you heard of Michael before? Was it a bit of a surprise appointment? And what was he like to work with in that season? Definitely a surprise appointment. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I hadn't heard of him. Um, obviously, when you, when there's a new manager coming in, you know you, you do the old Google and you see, you know, he was with Newcastle and he had a he has a decent career behind him. Um, but as far as the manager goes, I, I didn't even know the team he managed before he came to us uh, in Scotland, I believe. So he was definitely an unknown entity. Um, but again, I mean, you know, you know, talk about the man that's proved the point. You know, he's gone on to unbelievable. I mean, what he did at Rovers was unbelievable. I mean, his first season there, didn't we get second? Um, yeah, second. Yeah. After a se- yeah, after a season where, you know, we kind of struggled near the end under, under Pat. And then, um, oh my God, remind me who came in as caretaker manager. Jimmy Crawford? G- there you go, Jimmy Crawford. Yeah, yeah. so like, you know, it was, it was a surprise uh, announcement. And, but great manager, have to say, he was... Helped greatly by Trevor Crowley. I'm a big Trevor Crowley fan. Great player, great captain. But honestly, between him and Eamon Collins, probably the two best coaches I've ever worked with. Meticulous in absolutely everything they do. And proper, proper football people. And really good. Really helped them. Uh, you didn't get to play in the first ever game at Halle, but describe that special night from what you remember. Oh, it was great again. I uh, didn't get the play, unfortunately, through injury. Uh, but it was, you know, it was special just for, for the fans as much as anything else. I mean, obviously the players enjoyed every minute of it. You, you know, seeing the seeing the uh, the changing rooms for the first time, and you know, not not to be bad to the league, but we got some we got some ropey changing rooms out there. You know, I'm not going to name any any grounds in particular, but I mean, Rovers' changing room was a was a proper step. It was you know proper professional changing room walking through the tunnel out onto the pitch pitch looked great and crowd was great uh, and I mean it's only improved since then I mean you have to remember the, the stadium on the far side wasn't there but it still was a very very impressive stadium and uh, that was great great night great result and uh, enjoyed it even though I wasn't involved in it <laughs> well you were definitely involved in the uh, the first derby aka the, the Gary Twig derby two late goals this was an absolutely legendary game, wasn't it? Right, yeah, incredible. I still remember that one well. I mean, what was it, the last 89th minute? Yeah. Uh, 88th minute was up there, yeah, and Gary, which he did so, so many times uh, in the past and future for Rovers, got the goals. But that was an absolute belter. Um, one that I don't think any fan that was there either will forget in a long time. So if to talk about the, the Real Madrid friendly next, first of all, the build-up to it when you first heard about it and started uh, preparing for it, because this doesn't really happen anymore. Playing like a full-strength Real Madrid team, Ronaldo and Benzema making their debuts. So just like with the build-up initially. Oh yeah, well, I mean, we heard little, um, we heard little rumors. Obviously, as players to the club, and I'll be honest with you, when I heard it first, I laughed. 
<laughs> because I was like, come on, lads, it's Real Madrid, uh, not to be disrespectful, but unless we unless we somehow pull them in a European competition, like, you know, why are they even in Ireland? Like, but then, you know, it came, it came to light, um, made sense because, like, again, Rovers, one, the biggest club in Ireland, you know, name-wise and everything else, new stadium, um, phenomenal, just phenomenal. I mean, it's just one of the memories you'll, you'll, you'll never forget, like, you know, I mean, my uh, one of my fondest memories of it is just standing in the tunnel. Um, and I was superstitious in my whole career. Like I used to always want to go out last and the other crazy things. But standing there and you know you're looking up the line and all these players, are Guti and as you say, Benzema and, and Ronaldo happily gone out last. And I think he was signed for like ninety five million euro or dollar, whatever it was at the time. <laughs> I just remember thinking this guy's ninety five million. I'm probably worth about ninety five euro. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Pat Flynn told us that in the dressing room Michael O'Neill had said that for corners Padjo was going to mark Ronaldo and you were going to mark Raul and you both just started laughing to yourselves yeah <laughs> well it's, it's not every day like you know your manager says this, but I remember Pat like because we were all taking bets on how quickly Pat would smash him to be honest with you like <laughs> So when we were told, like, you know, he's marking him for corners, I was like, well, there you go. He's probably going to bite him or something on corner. But, <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was surreal. It was surreal. Like, as you say, the names your name in there are just, like, they'll go down in history, like, you know. And you played nearly the whole game, actually. Only Stephen Rice was on the pitch uh, any longer than you. Daisy Baker missed a good chance, as I recall. So should we have actually got something out of the game? Sure, Desi shouldn't have worn two different colour boots. That was the problem. Yeah. He dazzled himself as he looked down at the ball. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably about our best chance of the game. But in fairness, the whole game, you know, yes, they had more of the ball. They're Real Madrid. Yes, they had, a, you know, one or two opportunities, but they never carved us open as such. And I know it was only their first game to uh, to uh, end their pre-season, you know. Um, but still, I think I think... I think a draw would not have been unfair, you know, it really wouldn't have. Um, a goal, my little claim to fame, I wasn't on the pitch when it was scored, so I'll just drop that in. I know, <laughs> no, but the goal was unlucky, you know, it was a good long ball, and when you're dealing with the quality you're dealing with, I remember Benzema's touch and finish was, you know, brilliant. I mean, he turned me, he turned me on the, um, I think we were about 35 yards out, I tried to nick the ball in front of him, and he just used his body weight to turn me a bit and hit one and, and it hit the post from 35 yards. So, like, little mistakes you might get away with. Um, when you step up in that quality, it's difficult. So, great game, brilliant day. I mean, every single fan I ever spoke to about it had a, a, just an amazing time to see these players in action, you know. And uh, we, we did ourselves proud, I believe, you know. And as you said earlier, we uh, ended up coming second that season. Not too far off, though. That 2009 title run... It did come down to the last few games. It was a defeat to Cork, really, ultimately, that kind of cost us. So, in some ways, was it the one that got away? Yeah, yeah, probably the probably the closest. I mean, you take out the one in, I know you said, Pat's my best season, the best season was 2007, but got to remember, we actually technically won the league in 2002. And mathematically, let's just call it that. I mean, we, me, me as a player, anyway, I mean, I still counted, I counted the points we accumulated on the pitch. I had nothing to do with the registration of a Paul Barney or a, or a Charles Livingston. So um, we kept going that season as if it was we were title chasing, like you know. So for that season, for me, it was probably the best season. And um, you know, as I said, I mean, I know I won't go down in history, but in our heads, 
uh, we accumulated the points. We had nothing to do with the uh, shenanigans behind the doors, you know. Um, and then the, the Rover season, definitely a close second because we were unlucky. We There was games that, you know, you look back on the season, you, games we threw away, there was games we pulled ourselves back into. You just mentioned the derby there was a phenomenal result. Um, and I believe, I think there was a game up in Dundalk, maybe two or three two or three mm. games away from the end of the season where... This was my next question, got, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got the lead and then we kind of threw it away. So that was that was a tough one to take, like, you know. Yeah, that's a game a lot of fans remember fondly. I'd say you've, you've searched that one on YouTube as well. You, you scored a header. That was a ding-dong, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a ding-dong, yeah, yeah. I scored a header, but, you know, I put blame on myself for that one as well because... Uh, like a minute later, almost from the tip off, they got in behind me too easily. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm not one of these people that over celebrate, but you know, sometimes you just the last of concentration. They got in right in behind me, scored a goal, and uh, you know that kind of stuff sticks with me more than goals. To be honest with you. And as it happened, that was your your last ever game in uh, League of Ireland football. You were you were 33 at the time, and you were released by the club. So, what did you and Michael Neal? Say to each other, and how did the decision come about then to retire? Um, no, I mean, look, look at obviously going into Michael, I was uh, I was 50 50 on because I, I feel the four season, obviously, you know, uh, I showed my, my best. Uh, with Michael, I didn't give really the chance. Uh, start of the season, I was injured. Him and Trevor were pushing me to get back, pushing me to get back. I got back, um, but even through that season, like, I had a you kind of know your, your, your body. I had a calf strain that normally would take me two weeks to get back. It took me eight. I had a you know quad strain, the same thing. Just everything was extended. Um, so I never really got a, a chance to, to really show what I can do. Um, so when I went in and he didn't offer me a contract, you know, I, I understood. You know, I mean, he, it's a professional club. He's, he didn't, as I said, he definitely didn't see the best of me. Um, offered me, you know, all kinds of help and going forward because at the time I was still up in the air about the moving to the States or was I going to stay in Ireland and you know he, he'd give me some contacts in the States whether if I was going to make the move uh, I'd go play there um, but like you said I was nearly 34 I was turning 34 and the start of the next season um, and unfortunately the body started talking to me it's different if it's your only career like it's different if it was you know, didn't have a job to fall back on. And um, people say don't retire too early because you'll be a long time report. And I can understand that now because Pat's actually came back in and offered me a contract, and I was as honest as I could with them. I, I told them I didn't think it would be fair. You know, you know, my body was starting to tell me it was time to retire. And um, personal life was, was would had things going on that I wasn't sure where I was going to land. And um, so it just, you know, I just felt like the right time. If I had known then. What I know now, um, I would have made, I would have made uh, Michael O'Neill put me on in the last game in Inchicore because the last for the last game to be in Inchicore, Rovers v Pats, um, and not to even get on the park, yeah, yeah, that's that's one that sticks with me as well. Obviously, as you said, your body was letting you down, but since that was only the beginning of what was a hugely successful era for the club do you wish the back of your mind you'd have been able to stick around a while longer oh absolutely look what you did the next year I mean the, the run in Europe um, the league wins you know if I, as I said it was just one of them seasons but if, if I had had the my first season and the first season with Mike and O'Neill uh, I believe I would have played on at Rovers for another three or four years so 
age wouldn't have come into it, you know. Um, it was just a time because if Michael had a if Michael had a turn around there and then and said uh, we're offering a new contract, I, w- I would have said, you know, that would, there wouldn't have been really a question. It was just a, it was just a thought of getting going again. Like I know um, who was it, Shelbourne and Warford. There was a couple of clubs, you know, and I was just you know I didn't want to do the travel. The, the hardest one was Pats, like I said, going back. But I'm kind of kind of a firm believer in that as well. Never go back, you know. I had eight great seasons there. I didn't want to go back there and have a like maybe a nightmare season or two, and that that's what I remember. I had a great time. I had a, I, I owed the club absolutely nothing. I wanted to try and be as honest as I could with them. And um, but that said, I know for a fact if I had been offered a new contract with Lovers, I I would have stayed on. You know. Uh, just another couple of fan questions. What was the best game you were ever involved in at Rovers? Yeah, the, the derby. That's an easy one, yeah. Yeah, that's an easy. I mean, look, look, you can always say the Real Madrid one, but that was just for the the, the fact of who it was. But best game was the derby. That was yeah, that one will live on a long time. Like uh, best player you've played with and against. Best player I've played with probably Joseph Endo, um, just from a pure talent um, perspective. You know, I mean, he could go missing in games, you know, uh, every now and again. But when Joseph turned it on, it was uh, it was impressive. Look closely followed by Paulo Zama, I have to say, because um, I was always always in the game for you, and it could always you know pull out piece of magic, whether it be a set piece, whether it be a pass. But them two are always to go for me. Um, best player in the League of Ireland I played against um, probably a probably a trouble between Glenn Crow and uh, Jason Jason Bourne both just phenomenal goal scorers um, give them half a chance and you know they're going to punish you I think I know who you're going to pick for this but uh, best centre half partner <laughs> Colly Foley <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He killed me when I didn't say that, man. I'm still very good friends with Cody all these years later, you know, even even three and a half thousand miles away. But yeah, but he was, you know, I mean, we played together for, you know, when I was there eight and he had a couple of seasons where, you know, with the knee and all that. Um, but we, we played together for six seasons uh, and, you know, we built up a good good partnership, good relationship. And he was a great player. He really was. And uh, Last question, and you can feel free to come up with uh one or two or three, but the uh, funniest moment in football. Now we talk about on the pitch and off the pitch. <laughs> well, give us one on and one after. Um, you know what? I think I think one of the biggest things as a player for me, anyway, I'll take out of it is 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 the stuff off the pitch, is the you know, um, training ground stuff, or you know, the European tours. I mean, when we when we our first European, well, my first European, I should say trip was uh, Lyaka, Croatia, and, you know, we went there three days before to acclimatise and, and, and prepare for the game, you know, three, two nights, or sorry, two sessions a day, so you kind of get bored, like, you know, but so, so uh, we started to just come up with ways to entertain ourselves, we'll just say, so we uh, we go down to the, the receptionist and ask for the room key, because we all look the same to them, like, we all in tracks at bottom and tracks at tops, they didn't know, so we get room keys and we go in and we'd... Let's just say we used to put something on the TV that uh, would charge to the room and uh, turn the volume off full blast, walk away. So this this got a little old. So myself, myself, uh, who was it? Oh, Michael Holt and Jamie Harris. We ended up to get Shay Kelly for a meeting one day. 
and Shay was in the shower. So, of course, we did the standard, put on You Know What on the TV, turn up to a blast. I thought, <laughs> that's not really good enough. So we ended up taking every single piece of furniture out of the room and just lining up along the corridor of the hotel. Elevators and Big Shay, you know, Big Shay was a big deal, a big broad shoulders <laughs> came out with a tail wrapped around, around his waist, screaming and screaming, <laughs> cursing at everybody. So that was a good, you know, that, that kind of stuff. I mean, Childish and all the scenes, man, that. That was just that was just fun, man. That was that was just just good times. Um, uh, Pat Dolan would always give you a good story as well. Pat, do you remember Pat Dolan? <laughs> we were doing pre-season down in Stuart Hospital, and we were doing like hundreds, you know, sprints, not doggies. Like you, you, you do a sprint and you rest at the end and you come back. And next of all. What does Pat Dolan do? Only drive down the hill in his Nissan Maximum and drive beside us as we're sprinting, encouraging us on. <laughs> like any other manager, I might run beside us. <laughs> drive beside us in his Nissan Maximum, encouraging us to get there. Like, you know? So, but yeah, Pat, Pat was always a good one for some stories like that. That's classic Pat Dolan. But, uh, Thanks a million for talking to us, Dara. Uh, hope you stay safe over there and uh, cheers for the, for the call. Yeah, no problem, man. Listen, everybody stay safe, safe all you fans out there as well in Ireland and uh, hopefully I'll be back home soon and maybe catch a game up in Palace Lady. That'd be brilliant. Thanks a million, Dara. Alright, bro. No problem. Thanks, Carl. Bye. Yeah, so uh, great stuff from Dara. Like I said, one of, one of the old childhood heroes, you know. I was a centre half myself, so I thought he was great. Well, Dara has... Really has some ups and downs in his life, hasn't he, Gar? Yeah, I mean, the way, the way it was, I mean, he has. It's It seemed it seemed pretty easy to get him talking, you know. He just had to push the right buttons. Yeah, he remembered that Player of the Year ceremony in the, in the submarine in Crumman. When he won the vote, it floored him. Yeah. Well, listen, we, we just want to hope everybody enjoyed the interview. In times like this, you know, we all need a lift. Question, uh, do you think Michael O'Neill was right? To let Dara go at the end of 2009, or was he shafted? Ah, man, totally wrong on so many levels. <laughs> Couldn't help ourselves. Yes, yes, yes. So scary times in the states right now, bro. Uh, New Jersey, where Dara is, it's the third highest number of deaths in any state. So, uh, scary times all over the world. But that's that's pretty fucking that's pretty fucking scary. Well, fear not, Gar. I was uh, I googled New Jersey before I, I uh, did the the Dara interview, and the governor announced that as of Monday, gun shops are now considered essential businesses, and can, can remain open during the pandemic. Essential the gun shops. Essential. This is what we talked about before, didn't we? We said okay, so what happens is there's a silence killer virus coursing through the air yep. and it's it's killing people and the Americans decide let's fucking shoot it with bullets let's shoot the invisible stuff with bullets yep. shoot the invisible killer with bullets fucking idiots <laughs> New Jersey famous for Sopranos New Jersey Drive mm. yeah. it's a Jersey thing it's a Jersey thing Bolly, get the papers yeah, so, uh, yeah, Americans, man. I think my favourite... Do you know what we... Do you know who we haven't checked in with? Al. 
our South Florida Hoops supporter True, club yeah. representative. So we have to check him out and see how he's getting on. He's in South Florida now, so on lockdown. Not a fan of Trump. Do you know, like, every day you're just hit with these figures, these cases figures? Yeah. And it's depressing. So when I say my favourite thing about it, I mean, obviously it's it's terrific, but one thing that has amused me is it says Denmark, one person recovered. Yeah. But they haven't had that many deaths or cases as well they fucking shut shit down straight mm. off the bat one, Kev, Kev one McCormick one of, the, one of the Rovers lads is living over there in Copenhagen a couple of the Rovers lads stayed with him when they were playing when we were playing away I can't remember which trip it was but I think they I think his Facebook posts they've done it right they've just completely shut down the borders like mm. but sure, like, I'm not, like you said we're not getting into it we're not getting into it it's it's, it's for another day um, yeah so um that's pretty much it, Prof, for this week. Thought we'd give you a little bit of a lift, have a bit of crack. Um, yeah, we'll be doing at least one of these shows a month, so we'll keep interviewing former player of the year when it's still take us down memory lane. Yeah. And um, you'll get fantastic editions of Connor's Corner. Yes. Such as this. Remember when I used hang around in Crumlin? Through a, a squash of my mallet nearly killed me. <laughs> so true. Uh, I think we should end it on that now. Uh, great kid, great, great guy. Um, we should know what we should do. We should we should get four provinces to deliver some piper to him. <laughs> Eight cans of piper, drink them, and just get them on the phone. Fucking comedy gold. Um, yeah so that's it for this week um, not much else we can say is that we just hope things get better and uh, yeah keep on hoping that's it keep on hoping see ya Thank you.